I'm so happy you all came back today, and I love you. You know how we say it in Chicago, Pastor Jim? We say, I love, the mic sounds like fire. Thank you. Please don't change it. Can we turn on all the lights, though? That would be great. You know how we say it in Chicago? I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Okay? So just look at somebody and tell them, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. You can keep that microphone up as much as you want to. Thank you, Lord. Holy Ghost, thank you. Because you said it would be like fire shut up in our bones. We didn't come to get embalmed. We didn't come to get dressed up for a funeral. We came to get lit up with the Holy Ghost and fire. Let it be today, Father, that something sparks in us and causes us to run a little faster because time is going by. So help us today to have an open heart and open spirit and let the fire of the Holy Ghost fall. Let now the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, and everybody shout amen. amen. Is it all right if I come down there? I'm Pastor Dan from Chicago, Pastor Dan Willis. And, um, you know, I've been, in two weeks, I'll celebrate 46 years of pastoring the same church for 46 years. Well, that's not really anything to clap about, but here he is. I've been married to the same woman for 46 years. Too late. You had to think about it to clap. And she's still rocking my world. You better ask somebody. But being a pastor for 46 years, you know, this is how I say it, kids. This is how I say it after 46 years. And first of all, I thank God I don't look like what I've been through Especially for a white boy, I don't look like what I've been through. Because you know us white folks, we don't age so well. We look like a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Sucked our face off. But I praise him because I don't look like what I've been through. But 46 years of being a pastor on the south side of Chicago. And if anybody tells you they're from Chicago and they're not from the south side, they're from the suburbs. Okay? I'm from Chicago. The south side, where you hear about all the homicide and everything uh, going down. Being a pastor 46 years doesn't mean that you know everything. But it does mean you've learned a few things along the line. And today, with that kind of heart, could I submit to you what I feel to tell you today? I promise not to bore you. Um, but I wanted to be bougie and have my iPad and everything. And the Holy Spirit was downloading it so fast, it's all in my phone. So I have no idea if I can even read it because I don't have glasses on. But if not, I'll, we'll pass my phone around and you guys can just take pictures of it, okay? But <laughs> I'll borrow some, some, uh, some eyesight from somebody. But it doesn't mean that you know everything, but it means I've learned a few things. I've learned a few things about, about the passion of my heart that I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about how to have longevity in this Christian race. During the pandemic, more living room churches started than ever before in history. People that I prayed one day, I was like, Lord, the Holy Spirit, I'm just so confused, Lord, because this pandemic has changed people. I mean, 
Now, I don't know where you all live, but on the south side of Chicago, people lost their ever-loving mind during this pandemic. I mean, crazy. Folks you thought were this way became that way. And I was like, Lord, this pandemic has changed everybody. And you know what I felt like the Lord said to me? Well, not in his audible of voices, what you just did. But I felt like the Lord said to me this. The pandemic did not change anyone. It simply revealed what was already in them. And if they were strong, it revealed their strength. If they were weak, it revealed their weakness. If they were liars, they just kept on lying. It revealed, they just felt bold enough to do what they were doing. That's why today I honor you so much for bouncing back. Because everybody don't know how to bounce back. And you being here today says you bounced back with Pastor Benny. And I want you to know I appreciate it. I appreciate it so much. So I know my lane. I started with 16 people. Actually, I didn't even get to get voted in as a pastor. You know, I didn't even get that privilege. Um, I was a 16-year-old kid, so now you figured out my age. Um, I was 16, and I had already graduated from high school. I was leaving to go to medical school. I actually did wind up spending 20 years in medicine. I wanted to be a neurosurgeon, a brain surgeon. I always think it would still be fun to have stayed in that field so I could get in people's brains and just see what would happen if we do this and if we try that. Um, <laughs> couldn't be much worse than how they actually turned out. But... To <laughs> Anyway, it was a little group of people, and um, we were meeting in a storefront building. If I could get just a little gain on this mic, just a little gain. We were meeting in a storefront, and after four or five weeks, we lost our pastor. There was no money. There was no people. There was, it was just really depressing. And one little old lady, she's resting in heaven now. She said to me these words, South Africa. She said to me these words. She said, well, Dan can hold us together till we get a real pastor. I was flattered. I, I became a pastor by default. So 40, 46 years later, we've, we've been looking for a real pastor for 46 years. But it grew from 16 people to 6,000 people in Chicago, the largest multicultural church. And, well, even, even that. But, but I want to impart to you how to have that kind of longevity. I think we're living in such a fly-by-night world that people come and go. Um, they come and go out of marriages. And my wife said to me today, I just talked to her a while ago. She said, would you, number one, would you try not to talk about me? So I'm not going to talk about her. And then she said, <laughs> and then she said, would you try to be like gentlemanly, like some of those guys that sit on the front row? Because, you know, they pick the people that sit on the front row. They put the distinguished people on the front row. <laughs> and so my wife said, could you just try? Could you just try? So, honey, this one's for you. I should get into the word. I should. Well, you just proved one of my points. Laughter is good like a medicine. If you're going to have longevity, you've got to laugh. No way, no way would people survive on the south side of Chicago where I am if they didn't learn to laugh, and mostly at themselves. Learn to laugh at yourself. If you laugh at yourself, you'll never worry about other people laughing at you. 
I never worry about people in the corner and I see them turn around and look at me and laugh because I already, I, I laugh at it too. I, I laugh at it. In fact, I came to the first service this morning, had my little skinny jeans on and had my little skinny shirt on. And I said, I said, well, I'm going to preach this afternoon, so I'm not so skinny. I better wear it. You know, I've been on a diet for 40 years and I've lost four pounds. I'm coming along. I'm coming along. But laughter is good like a medicine. You cannot survive in anything without laughter. So let's laugh a little bit. Let's have some fun this afternoon. But let me share this impartation with you. Holy Spirit, I'm not so interested in giving information as I am impartation. Impartation is information with anointing. Help us today to receive it, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if I can see this... uh, If not, I'm coming for your glasses, brother. Now, get your pen, your pencil, your highlighter, your Mac mascara. Write it down somewhere, okay? Uh, On your neighbor's leg. I don't care. Just write this down. I want to start off today for the next few minutes um, to teach on longevity today, which has really become my passion. I want to thank Pastor Benny. Even though he is not here, I want to appreciate him. This is not my conference. This is Pastor Benny's conference I understand the ministry of the second man. Everybody does not understand how to be the second man. Most people want to be the first man. You'll never be a first man till you can learn how to be a good second man. I just said something right there to somebody. If you want God to promote you, learn to serve in being a second man. You didn't even have to write that down. I'm, that's not in my phone yet. I'm, I didn't get to this yet. I'm just, I'm just giving him honor where honor is due. I'm not an Absalom. I do not need the affection that belongs to him. This is his conference. He is the man that we all came to hear, and I honor him in his stead. I honor Miss Marie, who has been his project manager for so many years. I truly honor you. And Mama Rosie, who is his biological sister, who is the most sweetie patootie from Canada all the way to here today. I love you so much, Mama Rosie. All right, so let's, now you can write this down. I want to talk to you today from the Word of God and from my phone uh, about the three friends you cannot live without to have longevity in ministry. There's three friends you've got to have to have longevity in ministry or in anything. So I'd like to just assume for a second, as Pastor Will said, everybody here became a missionary the day you got saved. So you're in ministry. Look at your neighbor and say, you are in ministry. Well, if you're going to have longevity in ministry, the first friend that you've got to have is a mentor. Now, that's pretty innocuous and benign, but I'm going to break it down and drop it like it's hot in just a second in here. Okay, as I talk about a mentor, everybody in the Bible had mentors that were successful. Elijah had Elisha. Paul had Timothy. Ruth had Naomi. I mean, even think about it. Batman had Robin. Lucy had Ethel. So everybody has, you need somebody. You're not an island to yourself. But here's the part I want to tell you about, and, and without giving you just one scripture, I've named those biblical references, and then I'll go a little bit deeper with it, um, about having a mentor in your life. So how do you choose a mentor? And I want to tell you this, birthed out of traveling with Pastor Benny now for the last 146 years, I want to tell you um, that you don't, a mentor is someone who influences your life, but from, here's the difference, but from afar. 
A mentor does not have to be someone you have a relationship with. That's a relationship. A mentor is someone you see how they live. You see how they treat people around them. You watch their life. And because of that, they mentor you. And you may never, ever meet them. I'm going to set you free right now. But the best mentors in your life are usually not people you have a relationship with. They are people you observe their standard. I've heard Pastor Benny talk so many times about this fact. Catherine Kuhlman, he always calls her Miss Kuhlman with such respect. Yet he never met her in person one time. He was at her crusades. She was a mentor to him. But she did not personally know him. Yet in due season, he wound up preaching her memorial service at her funeral. Never having met her. Promotion does not come from... Promotion does not come from the east or the west. It doesn't come from who you know. Promotion comes from God. Promotion comes from the Lord. So if you really want a mentor, come to every one of these conferences that you can come. Every time you see Pastor Benny, be the first one online to register. Be the first one there. But don't come because you're hoping you can get a gig with him. So do you really want a mentor? Come on, can we be honest here today? Or do you want a relationship? If a relationship is what you want, then develop that with God. Get your relationship in order with God. Because no man can ever fulfill for you what only God can fulfill for you. If you did get to know Pastor Benny, he can't be a bridge over troubled water in your life. He can't be a mother to the motherless and a father to the fatherless. He cannot be those things that only a relationship can do. Most of us want people to fill something that only God can fill. So watch him Learn from him tonight Be a mentor Let him be a mentor But seek not for your own self-aggrandizement A mentor is different Than someone you have a relationship with Now if by default A relationship develops Glory be to God But let that not be the goal Of your life because the quickest way to suicidal thoughts is to expect too much out of people. You will feel incomplete. You will feel inferior. You will feel like, well, who's he? Why is Dan getting to get up there and do that? I don't even understand why I'm up here. You are, there, there's so much wealth of wisdom in here. We could pass this mic around and some of you, now some of you sitting here, your wig is on lopsided, but you got wisdom in that head under that wig. Way more than I have. But promotion comes from the Lord. I didn't legislate this. I didn't, of course, I knew Pastor Benny. And just like everybody, I saw videos of him throwing coats on people and blowing on people and all kinds of things. It never crossed my mind I would know him. I just tried to learn about his fire and his passion. And I wanted to, I, I just wanted to have that kind of anointing that was in my life that I could call things which be not as though they were. And I could watch skin that was messed up become like baby skin like I saw in Limpopo, South Africa. I wanted to know what is that like. I want that. But I never sought a relationship. So let me set you free. 
If you want to have longevity, have a mentor. But don't put the pressure on them for a relationship. Your pastor. It's amazing to me how many people have left churches over the last three years. And especially when they got a word of correction from their pastor. Suddenly people that never heard from the Lord start getting led of the Lord. The pastor corrects them from something they've never spoken in tongues in life. And now all of a sudden, the Lord is leading me over here. Isn't that amazing? They got a word of correction from the pastor. Now the Lord is leading them to another church. Sit down, Felicia. Ain't nobody got time for you. Sit down. I've seen people, and it doesn't bother me anymore. I can see them get the Holy Ghost, TBG. But they can't show up for church on time three weeks in a row. Take a seat somewhere. So find a mentor you can respect and not try. I want to just drill this in. In fact, I want to kick it in one last time. Get a mentor that you don't need a relationship with. Then you don't have to be jealous of anybody. Then you don't have to be uh, all caught up in, in uh, self-aggrandizement, emotions. You look at them as a mentor and not as a relationship. Let the church say amen. amen. All right, is this, should we go to number two or what should we call it a day? Should I just go? It's all right. All right, number two. Three people that will create longevity in your life. Make sure the second one is a peacemaker. Matthew 5 and 9. Everybody know it? Blessed are the, come on somebody, the peacemakers. And while you're typing it, write this down. I love you, sir. Write this down too. Write this down. You got it? All right. Write this one down. They are not high maintenance. Yeah, would you write that? Just is, is, Could you write that down? They, M-A-I-N-T-E-N-A-N-C-E. Okay, thank you. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Peacemakers are no maintenance. You're right. I love you. Peacemakers are no maintenance. You don't always have to assuage their, are you okay? Do you, is everybody treating you? Is, is things good? Did the preacher sing it how you needed it to? Did the choir sing it how it needed to be? If everything is a train wreck, a peacemaker... A peacemaker leaves church going, oh, it was wonderful. Peacemakers are no maintenance. If everybody in your life is high maintenance, find somebody who you surround yourself with who's a peacemaker. That when you're on 10, and you say, let, let me, hold me back. Come here, Pastor Jim. Hold me back. Hold me. Hold me. I'm going to get her. I'm going to get her. They didn't let me sing a solo. I'm going. I'm getting I'm going. You don't know me. I'm from the south side of Chicago. I'm going for them. I'm done. I'm sick of this church. I'm sick of all of it. Let me go. You make sure you have somebody holding you back. Don't have some Felicia. I know I'm right. I, I know I'm right. somebody in your life who's like, go get them. Tell them, girl, that's right. Tell them. Tell them. You got a right to tell them. Tell them. I wouldn't take that. Oh, God. I wouldn't take that stuff off of nobody. Don't be surrounded by people who do that to you. I learned, ooh, this hard on a fat white boy. Ooh. 
Ooh, stretch your hand to me right now. Ooh, anybody got a nebulizer? I learned a long time ago, I cannot surround myself with people who validate my anger. I've got to surround myself with people who say, Pastor, I know, but I have a couple of assistants, and they've learned to read me, and they just go like this. And if that don't work, they go, Blessed are the peacemakers. Let me just refer back to my, many of you are probably, some of you have to be inevitably in the medical field. So let me go back to my 20 years of medicine and tell you, stress is the silent killer. People do not realize that we worry about cancer. We worry about, uh, we worry about, I almost said hemorrhoids. And I, that wasn't what I meant. I, I meant thyroid. <laughs> oh, God. I'm so sorry. Well, somebody may be worried about that today, too. But we worry about all kinds of stuff. And we forget. <laughs> this is like, this is going from bad to worse. Yes, please call my wife. Thyroid. We worry about all that stuff and we forget stress is killing us. And if you have people in your life that are validating it and making you more stressful, and by validating I mean they're telling you, you got a right, I'd go to the pastor. And they always get that look on their face. Oh, sure. Listen. Take your ponytail off, set it in the seat, and loosen yourself up just a little bit here. Surround yourself with peacemakers. For a long time, I was with angry people, and the Bible says don't make alliances with angry people. Because if you make alliances with angry people, you find yourself becoming okay with anger. And I found I'm way better at laughter than anger. So if I was taking on the ways of anger, I realized I got to pull back from that and I got to get, none of you would, my friends are completely crazy, but they laugh a lot. They have no wisdom, but they laugh a lot. So, <laughs> blessed are the peacemakers. They are not high maintenance. Okay, and then the third one that I want to give to you today. Now, this is the one I was really trying to get to. I was really just going to, like, say those things, like, for a minute, but it wound up being, like, eight minutes. So this is the, la this is the really, this is the, the one I really was trying to get to. Surround, if you want to have longevity, surround yourself with people of agreement in the Holy Ghost. People of agreement in the book of Amos, chapter 3 and verse 3, the Bible says these words, can two walk together except they be agreed? You've got, if you want to have longevity, you've got to have people who are in agreement. And I'm not talking about in agreement with your flesh. I'm not talking about in agreement with your anger. I'm talking about agreement with holy things. 
I hear that scripture quoted all the time. If, uh, if, if two uh, are touch and agree, you know, that whole thing, it shall be done. And they misquote it. The Bible doesn't say if two touch and agree. They say if any agree as touching. That's what the word said. The power is not in the touching. The power is in the agreement. People will often say to me, here, just touch with me. And, and I, okay, but the power is not in the touch. The power is in the agreement. I can agree with someone on the telephone without touching them. The devil hates agreement for the holy things of God. If you came here and you're sick in your body, go down your entire road before you sit down tonight and get everybody on your road to agree with you that before you careful Holy Ghost but get everybody on your road to agree with you that before you leave here tonight you will have a healing in your body get them to agree with that why didn't I print this out like a bougie preacher like on a notes or iPad or something but in my little phone here because it just downloaded to me this is actually not even what I was going to talk about and the Holy Spirit said to me no you're just trying to be too deep and you're not deep just do this so this is as good as it's getting agreement on trusting things of God get somebody in your life do you know why I couldn't give up for 46 years because I've got people in Chicago that look at me and they say, oh, no, we didn't come this far just to come this far. Oh, no, you're not giving up now. Oh, no, 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 that's not how this is written. We go all the way. We go all the way. And then I think, I go home and I say, well, all right, if they think I can do it, I guess I can do it. The power is in the agreement even if you can't touch them, the power. When Pastor Benny says tonight, because I have a feeling healing will flow tonight, and he's, he may not touch you. The power is not in the touch. The power is in the agreement. You can be all the way. You can be all the way in this seat back here. And he say, let, get, let your faith rise with mine. And I agree with you. Lay your hand wherever you're sick. And all of a sudden, from the top of your head to the sole of your feet, healing may flow and you may never get touched by him but the power is in the agreement alright so now here's what I really wanted to get to John chapter 11 everybody knows this story so let me, let me just let's just go through it here real quickly let me read you some of the important passages from it could, young man could you hold that up for me Okay, thank you so kindly. In John chapter 11, everybody knows the story of Lazarus? He died. I mean, you know, that sucks, but he, you know, it, it is what it is. And so, here, <laughs> I'm sorry, you probably can't say that either. This is why a lot of people don't fit in my church in Chicago. Because I like, they come in and they're just like, what in the world has happened in this place? Well, Lazarus died. Remember that story? So it's the whole story in John chapter 11. Now a certain man was sick. By the way, if I ever die, if we, don't you hope we just, don't you ever, oh, little, sorry, I got my little skinny pants on. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Trying to keep up with these kids with your little skinny pants on. How many of you feel my pain? You understand? Oh, Lord, I'm going to wear some big leg stuff tonight. You'll be trying to fall out and your legs won't even bend. You know, got your little skinny jeans on. So, 
Don't you hope we just go in the rapture someday? Don't you hope we don't have to go through way of a grave? I hope we don't have to ever. I hope none of you here. Wouldn't it be great if none of us ever had to die? If this trumpet could just sound and we could just, we could just go up in the rapture. Oh, my God. Would that be awesome or what? But if I ever have to die, I don't want you ever walking by my casket. Well, first of all, I don't want to be in a casket. Who wants to be looking all dead? I didn't live like that. I want to be set in a swivel chair with my teeth showing and my hand out like this. You're going to shake my hand when you come through all the trouble you caused me. You're going to shake my hand. And you say, help me, Jesus, help me. I want people to walk by my casket or swivel chair, whatever it is. Well, I don't have a lot of work done to these teeth. So that's why I want them showing. I want to be, don't want to be look all dead. I want to be smiling and everything. But I want them to walk by and I want them to say this. That boy, he had a good old time. You're only coming through here one time, saints. That's it. How do you not get weary in well-doing? You get weary because a dry spirit breaks the bones. But laughter is good like a medicine. And it will, ma- it will just soften you up. And Where did I leave my Bible? I left my Bible somewhere. Oh, thank you! John chapter 11. It's talking about Lazarus. He was sick. A certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. Chapter 11 of John, uh, verse 2, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold him who thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, you all know that, but the Son of God might be glorified. Now Jesus loved Martha, really? And her sister and Lazarus, really? So watch, here's a man who loves and here's how he reacted when he heard therefore that he was sick he abode two days still in the same place where he was then after that he said to his disciples let's go to Judea again his disciples said now Lord listen listen they tried to stone you once you're going to put us in that risk again and Jesus answered and said are there not 12 hours in the day if any man walk in the day if he stumbles okay First, he said he's just sleeping. In verse 12, his disciples said, well, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad. That is what it says. Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad. Great. We've established that. And many of the Jews, drop down to verse 19, many of the Jews, here it is, I'm coming to, I'm coming, we're coming around the mountain. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But listen To what Martha said, this is the friend you want. But I know that even now, I'm going to stop right there for a minute. If you're taking a note, write down two words, even now. 
You have got to have some even now friends in your life to sustain your joy, to sustain your ministry, to sustain your marriage, to sustain you being a parent. You've got to have some even now people in your life. Here's Martha and Mary. And Mary says, I can just see Mary. She said, I'm not going. He's coming. I'm not going. He waited four days. You can go, Martha. I'm not going. And the Bible says Mary sat. But Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. But I know that I want to just preach to you for the last couple of minutes. Even now, even now, why was Martha and Mary, why was Mary and Martha, why were they angry? Let me attempt to go deep for a second so my wife can at least have something to be proud of. Do you know why, do you know why Mary and Martha were angry? Because they knew God. They knew that Jesus could have raised him up. They were angry because they believed. When you get angry that God doesn't do something in your life, all is not lost. That proves the point. You do believe. Is somebody catching that? Because I'll be honest with you. There have been moments I've been angry with God. God, why? I'm angry. If I didn't believe he could have done it, I would have never got angry. My anger was birthed because I believed he could do it. So it backs up even further than that. I'm angry because you could have done it. I believe you could have done it. That's the good news. If you've ever gotten passionately angry with God, it's because you believed he could have done it. But here's where the danger came. It turns into disappointment. And now disappointment starts ruling you with your relationship with God. I'm ruled by my disappointment that you could have done better. Let me bring it home. My wife, my wife is a phenomenal cook. My wife was from the hills of West Virginia. Anybody here from West Virginia? Well, ain't nobody got teeth, but they all know how to cook, okay? Let me tell you. <laughs> sorry, that's why I want to check if anybody was here first. Sorry, sorry. Um, but <laughs> I mean they can cook. My wife is a throw-down chef. By chef, I mean southern soul food cooking. My wife, can I just talk about it for a second? <sighs> Pinto beans and buttermilk cornbread. <laughs> Fried potatoes with onion, onions in them. Glory be to God. Peach cobbler. I used to be so skinny. I'm not fat because I want to be. I'm fat because my wife is a good cook. It's not my fault. So, I come home late at night hungry. 
I walk in, she's sitting on the couch eating Cheetos. I don't smell any peach cobbler. I don't smell any buttermilk. Ah, yeah, cornbread. You just, that's how you feel when you really love cornbread like I love cornbread. Something happens in your, oh, God. You get a quickening right here. Hey! Oh, won't he do it? And nothing was, this actually happened in my house. I came home, I was so hungry, and there's my wife. And she's sitting with rollers in her hair, eating Cheetos on the couch. And she says, hey, honey, how you doing? And I tried to be nice. Um, honey, did you cook? Oh, no, I thought you might. You want to run down to White Castle? You all do know what White Castle is, don't you? That's what the Lord is calling for in these last and the evil days. White Castle is little sliders in Chicago. Oh, two white, two double cheeseburger White Castles with a hard fried onion ring and a vanilla shake. I will eat you under the table, let me tell you. And she said, well, I thought you might want to run down to White Castle and get some White Castles. I wouldn't feel in White Castle. I wanted a home-cooked meal. Because I believe she's the best cook I know, now I'm angry because I believe in her. Now my disappointment comes. Is anybody catching a revelation? If she was no Chef Boyardee, I wouldn't care. But because I, because I know she can do it. Most of our disappointment with God comes because we really do believe. We know you can do it, Lord. So why didn't you do it? And the travesty of life is how many people are wandering out in the world today that used to know God because they believed he could do it. But nobody ever taught them how to handle the disappointment of when he didn't do it, how they thought it should be done. So let me help you out right now. Understand, you serve a God that is moved by the feeling of your infirmity. He cares passionately about you. They beat him! Blood! A whip with bones tearing it out of his back! Don't tell me he didn't love you. He loved you passionately. But he doesn't move in the time frame. He's a God that moves outside of time. He, it's not that you can't trust God. It's not that God wanted to disappoint you. Some of you came here seeking answers. Here's your answer. It's not that God was upset with you. It's not that you did something terribly wrong. It's not that God has bypassed his favor on your life. It's none of those things. It's simply he's not concerned about time like me and you are. He's a God who lives outside of time. Why do you think that she said, Lord, had you been here, our brother would not have died? 
She had to say it. Sometimes it's cathartic. You just, when I hear silly people say, you shouldn't say it all like that. Sit down, Felicia. I must say it. When I say it, I'm going to do it in a controlled, passionate way. God, I never want to displease you, but I am hurting so bad because this happened. But don't end your prayer there. Learn from the prayer of your friend Martha. She didn't stop there. She expressed her grief, but then she said, but even now, you make sure you got some people in your life that tell you, I know it don't look good. I know it don't feel good. I know you're hurting right now. But even now, God can step into that and turn it around and make ways out of no way. Even I come to tell somebody in Dallas today, even now, you came here looking for answers. Here's your answer. Even now, it's not hopeless. Even now, it's not too far gone. Even now, I wish three people would jump up and shout, even now. Pray in tongues for 15 seconds. Pray, pray, pray out loud in tongues. Listen, listen, my dear friends. You serve a God that sleeps during storms in a boat because he moves outside of time. Master, carest thou not that we perish? It wasn't he didn't care. He's just not manipulated by time. If he shows up and it's even dead, it doesn't change what he can do. He's a God who moves even now. Some of you are facing dead situations, dead marriages, dead dreams. Don't you dare leave this conference after you've expressed your grief without adding these words. Even I'm so not through. I'm not through. There's a lot more in here, but if you guys want to see it someday, you can just pass my phone around. But I'm, I'm so not through with that stuff, but somehow I'm through by the Holy Ghost power. I know it. Oh, God. There's something in life called hypostatic union. I don't know if you know what a hypostatic union is. You do know? Hypostatic union is uh, when two diametrically opposed things can come together and function as one. How could Jesus be both fully God and fully man? How could he say, 
I'm the bread of life, and then say, I hunger. It's called hypostatic union. How could he say, I thirst, but also say, drink of me and you'll never thirst again. One man, hypostatic union. Two natures, one person. You are that same, listen to me, you are the same. You have two natures in you. And the one that grows is the one that you feed. The one nature that's saying, why do you ever, why do you even go to a to church? Why do you even go to a why do you go to a Pastor Benny conference? Why do you why do you even try after all the stuff you've been through? But that hypostatic union that lives in you called the Holy Spirit, even though it's one person, flesh, but the Spirit says, even now. I will not end the subject on how my flesh feels. There's something in me that's bigger than my flesh. If you want to have longevity, I've tried my best today to tell you some of the things that will help you to have longevity. And I love you so much for being here and listening, being a part of this. I'll conclude today by telling you many of you have heard my story about my only son when he was 14 years old the streets of Chicago got him my only son drugs I felt like I couldn't lift my head in Chicago the embarrassment of Chicago would be me everybody knows our church and everybody knows me And my son was gang banging and running around got expelled from high school on the very first day of his freshman year It was a crazy life. But God intervened in that situation. You've heard me tell it. Today, my son, of course, he became a United States Marine, married his little childhood sweetheart. They have three children. My son is a Chicago police officer, and he's preaching the gospel with me. really what I just preached to you was birthed in those years when he would look at me and say I hate you I will never do you hear me preacher man I will never be like you my heart would bust in a million pieces but I would say God even now Every time I see him standing on the stage with his hands raised, praising God, I know that I serve a God who moves outside of time. He's an even now. So March the 10th of this year, because see, the devil never gives up. If the devil ever wanted you, he still wants you. Especially the more you do for God, the devil wants you and your children. He wants to have at you and wreak havoc. March the 10th, I was preaching in Los Angeles. My 34-year-old Chicago police officer son, I got a phone call after I finished preaching. And they said, your son is in the back of an ambulance. He's dead. He's had three cardiac arrests. And... They're shocking his heart. My daughter-in-law was hysterical. The kids were hysterical. I was 2,000 miles away. 
I never access Pastor Benny. Miss Marie can tell you that I never. If he calls me, praise God. But I do not bother him. He's a mentor from afar. But that night I said, I got it's your kid. I said, I gotta call him. I called Pastor Benny, expecting him to be so compassionate, caring, and indeed. He said, oh, Captain Dan, let's pray. He prayed 30, 45 seconds, and then he said, okay, he'll be off of the ventilator today. Good night. I said, what? And God said, do you want a relationship, or do you want a mentor who can agree with you? do you want your son to live? Yes. Then you need somebody who can agree with you that that word will work. I flew all night. I got a flight and got back to Chicago. I walked finally in the hospital room. Those 10 hours of trying to get home seemed like a forever land. As I walked in the room, they were pulling the ventilator out of his chest. But between, and I just feel led to say this and do this, between that phone call with him at midnight and me arriving in Chicago, that 10-hour period, I said, there's one thing I've always done when I'm going through a tragedy. I've got to see before God for an even now miracle. Before I got home, I got online, Pastor Benny, is who I sow into. I got online. I called him back. I said, Pastor Benny, you can't buy a miracle. Only a fool would believe that. But they say my son is not going to live. I'm sowing a large, even now seed, right now, online. He said, I already told you. They'll take the ventilator off of him today. I said, I know, I know, but I just, I, I just click, he hangs up on me again. Today my son is whole and preaching the gospel. Could I ask you to do something very special today? Could I ask you before we go, could I ask you to sow this not to me, Pastor Benny runs a worldwide ministry. I believe that if I tell him what I've ministered on today and just say, Pastor Benny, I want you just to speak over those gifts. They're going to be called an even now seed. An even now. Close your eyes. I want to remind you what Pastor Benny said to us last night. What is the one thing you desperately want God to do? Maybe you've stopped believing him. Maybe you've stopped sowing for it. But I'm going to ask you before we leave this sanctuary to prepare our hearts to come back tonight for the man of God. I'm going to ask you to sow an even now seed. And I want it to be private. It'll just be you and God. I'm not going to say how much. But I encourage you to do this. Like God spoke to me that night when my son was laying in the back of an ambulance with three cardiac arrests. 
I sowed a significant seed. I want to ask you right now with your eyes closed and your head bowed, what is the thing you want God to do the most that looks impossible? Without hyping you up, could I just ask you to get a seed before God and write on the envelope, even now. You can be seated. Ushers, please come with envelopes. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Everybody that needs an envelope, would you please raise your hand? I want you to sow an even now seed for something in your life. Ample faith. If you need an envelope, raise your hand. Things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Say it again while people are getting their even now seed. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into His wonderful face. Is it a daughter? Is it a son? Is it a career? What is it that you... It seems impossible. But I want you to literally physically write on the envelope, even 